Chapter One of the French Revolution. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Pamela Nagami, M.D. The French Revolution by Robert Madison Johnston. Chapter One The Perspective of the French Revolution the magnitude of an event is too apt to lie with its reporter and the reporter often fails in his sense of historical proportion the nearer he is to the event the more authority he has as a witness but the less authority as a judge it is time alone can establish the relation and harmony of things this is notably the case with the greatest event of modern european history the french revolution and the first task of the historian writing a century later is to attempt to catch its perspective to do this the simplest course will be to see how the revolution has been interpreted from the moment of its close to the present day it was madame de stal under the influence of constant who first made europe listen to reason after the bourbon restoration of eighteen fifteen her considération sur la revolution française published in eighteen eighteen one year after her death was a bold though temperate plea for the cause of political liberty at a moment of reaction when the holy alliance proclaimed the fraternity not of men but of monarchs and the direct delegation by divine providence of its essential virtues to alexander frederick william and francis at a moment when the men of the convention were proscribed as regicides when the word jacobin sent a thrill of horror down every respectable spinal cord the daughter of necker raised her voice to say that if during the stormy years just past the people of france had done nothing but stumble from crime to folly and from folly to crime the fault did not after all lie with them but with the old regime if frenchmen had failed to show the virtues of freemen it was because they had for so many centuries been treated as slaves this was in eighteen eighteen three years after waterloo madame de stal was a pamphleteer the historian soon followed thiers in eighteen twenty three minier in eighteen twenty four produced the first important histories of the revolution the former more eloquent more popular the latter more ballasted with documentary evidence more accurate more pedestrian in fact to this day in its negative manner one of the best general histories of the matter both of these writers were too near their subject and too hampered by the reactionary surroundings of the moment to be successful when dealing with the larger questions the french revolution involved thiers going a step beyond madame de stal fastened eagerly on the heroic aspects of his subject it was with this emphasis that later under the more liberal regime of louis philippe he continued his work through the epoch of napoleon and produced his immensely popular but extremely unsound history of the consulate and the empire in eighteen forty the remains of napoleon were transferred from st helena to paris and were processionally drawn to the invalides surrounded by the striking figures and uniforms of a handful of surviving veterans 
acclaimed by the ringing rhetoric of victor hugo who in prose and in verse vividly formulated the napoleonic legend and just before and just after this event so made to strike the imagination and to prepare changes of opinion came a series of notable books they were all similar in that they bore the stamp of the romanticism of the thirties and forties interpreting history in terms of the individual but they differed in their political bias these works were written by carlyle louis blanc lamartine and michelet carlyle's french revolution belongs far more to the domain of literature than to that of history its brilliancy may still dazzle those who are able to think of carlyle as no more than the literary artist it will not blind those who see foremost in him the great humanitarian he was too impulsive an artist to resist the high lights of his subject and was hypnotized by versailles and the guillotine just as his contemporary turner was by the glories of flaming sunsets and tumbling waves the book is a magnificent quest for an unfindable hero but it is not the french revolution carlyle's french contemporaries add the note of the party man to his individualistic impressionism in all three are strong apologists of the revolution lamartine extols the girondin blanc sanctifies robespierre whom he mistakes for an apostle of socialism michelet as enthusiastic as either but larger in his views and much more profound as a scholar sees the revolution as a whole and hails in it the regeneration of humanity within a few days of the publication of his first volumes france had risen in revolution once more and had proclaimed the second republic she then in the space of a few months passed through all the phases of political thought which thiers blanc lamartine michelet had glorified the democratic the bourgeois the autocratic republic and finally the relapse into the empire the empire of louis napoleon and essentially the histories of the revolution produced by these writers were special pleadings for a defeated cause springing up in the year eighteen forty eight to a new assertion under the second empire with autocracy even more triumphant than under the brothers of louis the sixteenth they became the gospels of the recalcitrant liberalism of france michelet the gospel of the intellectuals blanc the gospel of the proletarians de tocqueville added his voice to theirs his ancien regime appearing in eighteen fifty six then came eighteen seventy the fall of the empire and eighteen seventy one the struggle between the middle-class republic of thiers and the proletarian republic of paris the latter vanquished once more disappeared in a nightmare of assassination and incendiarism it was under the impression of this disaster that ten set to work to investigate the past of his country and particularly the great revolution on which all else appeared to be founded between eighteen seventy five and eighteen ninety four he produced his origine de la france contemporaine which in a sense supplanted all previous works on the revolution behind it could be plainly perceived a huge scaffolding of erudite labour and the working of an intellect 
of abnormal power but what was not so apparent and is now only being slowly recognized was that much of this erudition was hasty and inspired by preconceived opinions and that ten's genius was more philosophic than historic assuming the validity of the impressions he had formed when witnessing the agony of paris in the spring of eighteen seventy one his history of the revolution was a powerful and brilliant vindication of those impressions but it is only the philosopher who forms his opinions before considering the facts the historian instinctively reverses the order of these phenomena as it was ten's great work made a tremendous impact on the intellect of his generation and nearly all that has been written on the revolution since his day is marked with his mark his thesis was that the church and the state were the great institutions whereby brute man had acquired his small share of justice and reason and that to hack at the root of both state and church was fatal it could only lead to the dictatorship of the soldier or to that of the mob of these two evils the former appeared to him the less while the latter he could only think of in terms of folly and outrage ten's conservatism was the reaction of opinion against the violence of the commune and the weak beginnings of the third republic as michelet's liberalism had been its reaction against orleanist and bonapartist middle-class and military dictation since ten's great book the influence of which is in this year nineteen o nine only just beginning to fade what have we had passing over von Subel's considerable and popular history of the revolution we have sorel l'europe de la revolution francaise more historical more balanced than ten's work clear in style and in arrangement but on the whole superficial in ideas and incorrect in details of far deeper significance is the histoire socialiste of jean jaurès of which the title is too narrow histoire du peuple or histoire des classes ouvrières would have more closely defined the scope of this remarkable work here we have a new phenomenon history written for the laboring class and from the point of view of the laboring class and although not free from the taint of the party pamphlet not of the first rank for historical erudition intellectual force or artistic composition jaurès history presents the revolution under the aspect that gives most food for thought and that places it most directly in touch with the problems of the present last of all what of the labours of the professed historian of to-day few of the writers just named could stand the tests rigidly applied to the young men sent out in large numbers of recent years by the universities as technically trained historians of these many have turned their attention to the vast field offered by the revolution and some have done good work the trend of modern effort however is to straighten out the details but to avoid the large issues to establish beyond question the precise shade of the colour of robespierre's breeches but to give up as unattainable having any opinion whatever on the french revolution as a whole not but that here and there excellent work is being done 
Olar has published an important history of the revolution, which is a good corrective to tens. The Ministry of Public Instruction helps the publication of the documents drawn up to guide the States-General, a vast undertaking that sheds a flood of light on the economic condition of France in 1789. The historians have, in fact, reached a moment of more impartiality, more detachment, more strict setting out of the facts, and with the general result that the specialist benefits and the public loses. What has been said should explain why it is that the revolution appears even more difficult to treat as a whole at the present day than it did at the time of Thiers and Minier. The event was so great, the shock was so severe, that from that day to this France has continued to reel and rock from the blow. It is only within the most recent years that we can see going on under our eyes the last oscillations, the slow attainment of the new democratic equilibrium. The end is not yet, but what the end must eventually be now seems clear beyond a doubt. The gradual political education and coming to power of the masses is a process that is the logical outcome of the revolution, and the joining of hands of a wing of the intellectuals with the most radical section of the working men is a sign of our times not lightly to be passed over. From Voltaire, before the revolution, to Anatole France, at the present day, the tradition and development is continuous and logical. It now remains to be said that if this is the line along which the perspective of the revolution is to be sought, this is not the place in which the details of that perspective can be adequately set out. That must be reserved for a history of far larger dimensions and of much slower achievement, of which a number of pages are already written. In this volume, nothing more can be attempted than a sketch in brief form affording a general view of the revolution down to the year 1799, when Bonaparte seized power. End of chapter 1